Are you ranking for the right keywords? Well, Gummy Cube can help your users find your app through search on the app stores. Ranking for the right keywords can increase your reach by five to 10 times what you currently have. So go and check out Gummy Cube. I highly recommend it. Go to www.gummycube, that's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, gummycube.com, and go and check out their App Store optimization service. And thank you very much, Gummy Cube, for supporting this show. Let me thank my wonderful sponsor, Apptentive. Now, Apptentive do help you with reviews. Here is uh, someone who is using them. They are called All Recipes, and here's their quote. Apptentive helped us improve the quality of our products by looking through trending reactions in our community, which helps us make decisions about our products and business based upon the data we pull from the tool. So they are falling in love with Apptentive. You can find out now what it's all about. Get a free consultation by going to www.apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. Thank you very much to Apptentive for being so great. I'm Kiki Shear, CMO of Fitter, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. This show takes you around the world and meets some of the best app entrepreneurs and and just really interesting people that help you and inspire you with your journey. So if you're listening to this and you're uh, working uh, in a corporate job, then uh, I would say you will be inspired by the guests that you uh, hear on this show. Uh, and I like to say it's global because we do go around the world. And finally, I've uh, actually come back here to the UK and we're going to have a chat with somebody who's based in the UK but does a lot of traveling around Europe and he's into some really interesting things. Um, I I want to introduce Justin Drake. Uh, Justin is uh, he's, he's building a new app at the moment. It's called Duo Money. I'm testing it. It looks really awesome. And Justin is my newfound friend because I, uh, I stumbled across Justin by uh, looking for ATMs, uh, Bitcoin ATMs in the UK. And he's running one of the only handful of Bitcoin ATMs in the UK. So he's really innovative. Justin, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks for having me, Paul. Um, well, thanks. thank you for coming on. Thanks for coming on. So I tell you what, we're going to talk a, a little bit about Bitcoin. I'm going to save that to the second half because I'm, I'm, I'm just so thrilled that you know we've met each other and we've had this uh, trusted transaction, and it's just introduced me to the whole world of Bitcoin. But for the um, start, let's t- just talk about what you're doing with Duo Money. Sure. So um, Duo Money is a Bitcoin app uh, which tries to make. Uh, Bitcoin much more accessible to the general public. Um, and the way it, it does that, the, the, the key idea is that um, you shouldn't have to hold Bitcoin in order to use Bitcoin. Um, so you can use Bitcoin as a way to um, transmit value from one place to another, that is to be a medium of exchange, without having to hold custody of Bitcoin, um, that is to use Bitcoin as a store of value. Um, and the way I do that is I allow uh, my users to deposit their local currency, which may be the British pound or the euro. And at the point of transaction, when they want to make a Bitcoin purchase, um, I do a conversion to Bitcoin um, using the, the current market rate. And I send those Bitcoins to wherever they have to be sent. So if you're, let's say, buying a bike online 
and uh, the bike provider gives you a 5% discount uh, because you're paying with Bitcoin, then you can get that 5% discount and not have to bother with some of the technicalities um, and risks that um, Bitcoin have. Yeah, I have to say, Justin, this is uh, unbelievably uh, innovative. And uh, I've heard about Bitcoin for about a year, uh, maybe a little bit longer. uh, And I've often uh, been tempted to try and use it. But every time I get to that point where a purchase is required and I start to dig into the detail, uh, you know, unless if I'm just searching online, it's really difficult. And I'm actually quite forward thinking anyway, running this show. So I could imagine like the average person on the street finds it like overwhelming at the start without knowing about Bitcoin. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I guess there's, um, people make a lot of comparisons between uh, Bitcoin and the internet. Um, and I think we're at the very early stages where there's extreme amounts of complexity, um, especially for the non-technical person. And um, I guess we have seen this in the beginning of the internet where if you wanted to send an email, you had to fire up a terminal um, and you had to know all sorts of uh, protocol details um, and things were um, very text-oriented. There, was, there wasn't uh, much um, user interface um, that we have uh, right now. And with um, you know, services like Gmail, um, Yahoo Mail, etc. Didn't, didn't exist back then. Um, and it's, I think, the same thing with Bitcoin. Bitcoin, um, at, its, at, at, the, at the core, is, is just a, a protocol, a technology, um, a bit like TCPIP or SMTP is. Um, and, you know, with time, we have entrepreneurs that build layers of abstraction and bring it um, more and more accessible to the general public. Yeah, I have to say that now I'm actually using Bitcoin. I can't believe I was so you know, idiotic in not knowing how to do it <laughs> because it seems really easy. But uh, I think that the, it's the initial um, uh, initial introduction to Bitcoin is like you'd go onto Google, you search, you get all these uh, these exchanges, you get, um, it, it's just it's just overwhelming the information on it. And, uh, and, and it was only guests on this show and people that I met and talked to and had chats with that, that really overcame that, hurdle that initial hurdle and made it so so easy to to use yes it is uh, very easy um the way the way i i see the complexity partly is um first of all um the the unknown it's a completely new beast that has been invented um and even though it's something very easy it's very unintuitive in our society it's a bit like um you know, new inventions like uh, the electricity or the telephone or, or the car or the internet. At the very beginning, people had, you know, just didn't understand. There was a lot of, of, of fear. There was a lot of mistrust. Um, and we're seeing the same thing. And these technologies that I've cited have now, you know, dominated society. And I, I believe that the same thing will, ha- will happen with Bitcoin. Yeah, and I can um, imagine a lot of the distrust as well. You know, I do read, uh, you know, the kind of scare stories about Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself who is behind that message. There are agendas at play. And uh, because it's such a disruptive uh, in, in innovation that there are going to be the old guard that are frightened of this and will do everything to prevent it from becoming a, a mainstream thing. Yeah, it is possible that there is a bit of resistance from from the traditional legacy um, financial system. 
in particular. But um, you know, there's also uh, maybe the media that is looking to write a, a story with uh, lots of uh, page views and having a, a a negative spin. Maybe is more attractive than the positive one. Um, yeah, that's the media for you. <laughs> That's why people listen to this show. They get more of a positive uh, input into their life. <laughs> so, uh, well, well, let's talk. Let's carry on talking about the app then. So, Duo Money. Uh, are you are you an app developer? Have you done this all on your own, or have you outsourced any of it? Um, so, I've done everything on my own, and it's my very first app. Um, I have done some programming in the past. Um, I have worked in Cambridge here um, as a um, consultant in programming and did all sorts of stuff, um, in particular um, designing um, low-level electronic systems um, for FPGAs and stuff like that. Um, and before that, I was a, a mathematics student um, here at Cambridge, um, and I also did a bit of programming in my free time. Um, but this, this has been my, um, my very first app, um, and I've been able to reuse a lot of the web development skills I had um, in developing the app. So it is a, a hybrid app um, where a lot of the UI is just um, a web page and um, you know, the, the, the native stuff is, is programmed in, in Objective-C. Uh, okay, so for all those people that are listening who have never built an app, then how did you go and start about learning? Uh, it's, because it's on iOS, uh, how, how did you learn about Objective-C or did you do it in Swift and learn about the, uh, you know, the initial... Um, stages of getting an app uh, up and running? Um, so at the very, very beginning, I um, used um, one of these frameworks where um, you could just um, program a web page and it would, um, I think it was, is it Cordova? Uh, where, um, yeah. Yeah, so I used Cordova um, initially and I... I, I mean, that, that was fine um, until I, I needed more power um, on, the, on the native side. So I started digging a bit there. And I, you know, just, just digging in, I, I was compelled to learn Objective-C. And then once I learned Objective-C, I realized that Cordova, for my particular purpose, was completely useless. So I, I just um, dropped Cordova and, and, and developed an iOS app, um, which was, you know, really optimized for iOS, um, which is my um, the, the first operating system I, I'm, I'm going to be um, launching with. Well, there you go. There's an inspiration for anybody who has yet to build an app. You've done it on your own with your own funding, your own time, and uh, it, it, you've just gone ahead and, and learned this stuff. And so it just shows that anybody can do this and you don't have to hire an expensive app developer to, to build something that you... Um, you want to get out to the world. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the whole space to me seems um, extremely open. Um, all the tools are open and mostly free. I mean, you do have to pay the, the um, Apple developer license. Um, I guess it's a bit like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is even more free in that sense and open. You can really do um, whatever you want. I guess... Um, Apple has kind of a, a hybrid approach where um, you have this, this license and there is a part of curation. Um, and then we might be able to talk about it later. There's this even more closed approach um, which the banks have. Um, and this is my main struggle right now in um, releasing the app. 
I need to have a banking relationship um, in order to hold custody of my customers' funds. And the, the space there is the extreme opposite of Bitcoin, where everything is closed, proprietary, and you need to ask permission for every single step um, in the, on the way there. Well, let, let's talk about that because we often uh, speak to guests about uh, disruption and, uh, and closed systems. So, so your biggest challenge right now then is, um, I'm guessing, getting the uh, money from traditional currency into Bitcoin and then back again and using the banks to, uh, they're having to approve every single transaction. Um, so my, my app is only in one direction. I want to keep it very simple. Um, just from um, local currency to Bitcoin. And the main challenge is to um, simply to open a bank account um, with a bank which is happy to take on the transactions for my business. So generally, they will not look at individual transactions. Um, they will just look at your business as a whole and they will want to make sure that you respect in particular the, the various regulations um, regarding anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing. Um, so it's a, a very um, heavily regulated space um, where at the end of the day, it's, um, you need to ask permission um, to be part of, of, of the system. Yeah, yeah. So I know having worked in finance that you do need to know your customers if you're a certain threshold, uh, unless you're a considered a market expert and and so um, yeah that whole kind of process of uh, doing checks on um, customers uh, funds source of funds all that sort of stuff what a headache you've got to go through yeah it is a lot of work and this is where we add a lot of value in the in the app um, and what we've really tried to do is because this um, know your customer KYC as you put it um, is um, a required step we try to make it as user-friendly as possible. So it, um, our service is mobile only. Um, so everything, including the verification, is done on your phone. And we really want to lower the barrier to entry as much as possible. And the way we did this is to have a system of tiers. Um, so the, the regulation um, says that you need to take a, a risk-based approach. And that, what that means is that the more uh, volume per user, the more you need to know about that user. So we figured out that you know, if you only want to get started just for educational purposes, um, just to learn about Bitcoin and to, um, to get started, well, we really don't need to know much about you. So the only thing we ask for um, is your email address and your name, and that's enough to get you started. Um, and then if you want to start making more serious transactions, um, let's say hundreds of pounds per week um, or even thousands of pounds, then we may ask for um, your date of birth or your um, uh, a proof of address. And if you really want to be um, kind of industrial scale and, and spend tens of thousands of pounds per, per week, um, then we need to have a, a full copy of your passport. So that's really interesting. What you're doing there is doing a tiered level of know your customer. And in a way, that's really good advice for anyone building an app. You you uh, ask for more information. The more people use your app, the more they're likely to come back 
and the more they're comfortable with it, which, you know, rather than asking all of that stuff up front and scaring off, you know, 50% of the people that, that uh, actually end up signing up, you're, you're doing that to, it's kind of a gradual step uh, in, into your app. So that, that's really a, a, great, a great golden nugget. Yeah, I mean, actually, we're considering um, reducing the barrier to entry to zero um, at the very beginning, simply by giving people a, a little bit of free money, even without entering their name and email address. Um, and so they'd be able to test out the app, um, make their first Bitcoin payment uh, or test transaction and feel comfortable uh, with, with entering more information. Yeah, and I've been beneficial of that because I think you've put five pounds into my uh, account already. So that's uh, that, uh, uh, that. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's built an app and then put money into the app. So you've got to be the first one on this show that's done that. There you go. Um. It's, the, it's the opposite of freemium. It's uh, <laughs> we pay you. <laughs> Uh, but that's that's you know it's it's really clever because to you the uh, value right now is people using the app and getting to see uh, how they navigate around it and whether it's going to take off. So uh, that's worth I guess that's worth investing in. Exactly. Um, so we have received um, a bit of seed money of seed investment, and the idea right now is to uh, first of all um, get a. a, a a banking relationship and then launch and then at launch um, try and grow as fast as possible and see if we can get traction um, and at that point if we do have a lot of traction um, then you know we'd be looking for more serious investments but the idea right now is just to see if there is any kind of interest out there so let me thank who I think is the planet's best app store optimization company, and that is GummyCube. Now, GummyCube are a San Francisco-based company, but they can deal with you wherever you are. They are an app store optimization technology company. Now, they leverage big data from the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, and they use this to feed their algorithms, which helps you to be more effective with search on the App Store. Now, one of the biggest discoveries they've made over the last few years is that web search and mobile search are completely different. So they collect big data, it's called DataCube, and this is from the app stores, not the web search. Uh, so this means that you can be much, much more effective with optimizing your apps uh, for the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. So I highly recommend going and checking them out. It's www.gummycube.com, G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, gummycube.com. And just thank you, GummyCube, for being such a great supporter of this show. It's time to thank my wonderful sponsor called Apptentive. Now they are the experts when it comes to in-app communication and customer experience. So to give you an idea of just how great they are, here's a couple of quotes from some big names that you may have heard of who are actually using Apptentive. So Big Fish Games say Apptentive's SDK is the easiest integration I've done. It just works, it's dead simple. And all recipes say, Apptentive helped us improve the quality of our product by looking through trending reactions in our community, uh, which helped us make decisions about our product and business based upon the data we pull from the tool. So they're loving Apptentive. Uh, why don't you go and show some Apptentive love by going to www.apptentive.com forward slash app guy. It's important to do the forward slash app guy or lowercase because you'll get a free consultation about what they can do for you. Go and check them out and thank you very much to Apptentive for supporting this show. Yeah, we've known other guests on this show, Justin, who have done the same thing where they have a small amount of funding and 
Uh, they get the statistics, they get the engagement, they get the, you know, the story and, and proof, of, proof of concept. And then they go uh, to the bigger uh, funds and get more serious investment uh, when there's a, a business model behind it. So it seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, and um, in testing then, uh, any observations in the way people are using it right now? And, and also, how are you getting your test? Um, how are you getting your beta testers? Um, great question. So um, at the moment, uh, I, we don't have a bank account, so we can't um, receive uh, funds from users and we can't hold custody of their funds. So um, what we've done is we've simply given um, free credit to all our testers. And um, the testing so far has been um, relatively uh, limited. We've uh, asked about 15 people to test it. Um, and we've had um, maybe uh, 30 to 45 minute um, test sessions. Um, and people have generally um, responded very well to the app. Um, they, um, they, they like the look and feel and they like the fact that it's really minimalist. Um, I think that there is still um, uh, a need for uh, education in the space and there is still a need for um, a very popular use case to use Bitcoin. Um, so there needs to be further drivers and further education, but I think that will come. Um, so what we're doing is simply um, lowering the, the barrier to entry. Um, and in terms of you know, iterating and improving, um, it's a very, very um, detail-oriented process. Um, so what I do is I... Um, record um, uh, a high-definition um, sc screencast of the whole session. And I, I take notes during the session, and then I go through the whole session again. And I will you know, be extremely particular about um, how, how users react, um, if they were, if, how much time they take to to do actions and, and, and things like that. Um, so it, it was just me being very OCD about the whole app. <laughs> well, that's good, though. That, that, I mean, in a way, it, you think of a lot of apps that come onto the market, and I'm thinking particularly Snapchat. And you're not going to watch a video on how to use Snapchat. What, what is the most valuable thing is that you sit next to somebody who's a super fan, and they are desperately wanting you, you to get onto Snapchat, and they give you a quick demonstration and it's your super fans that end up educating the market in a way, uh, or, or by trial and error. We just go in. Most people seem to go into an app and just flick around and skip over the instructions and try and use it. So yes. Uh, so um, in Cambridge, I am the uh, founder of the Cambridge Meetup Group, um, which has over two hundred and fifty members. And so the way I, I sourced my testers was to send over an email to the Meetup Group. Um, and have people um, from the, the, the Bitcoin meetup group come, come along. Um, I guess the Bitcoin community is extremely passionate and, and vocal and um, evangelist. So you're right that um, maybe a good strategy would be to try and get this, this core community, um, um, you know, put the, put the app in their hands, um, make them realize how much easier it is than maybe other alternatives and they will then 
go recommend it to their, their friends and family. Yeah, especially if it's something that, that doesn't need a lot of technical prowess to use it. Um, let's talk a bit about Bitcoin then before we go, because uh, it's, uh, you know, it really is po- possible now for a lot of app developers to incorporate uh, aspects of Bitcoin into their apps. And uh, what, what's your, your um, view on the currency itself? Um, you, I think you've had some comments about how supportive the UK government are with regards to Bitcoin? Yeah, so um, Bitcoin is a, an extremely um, general tool that can be used for many, many things. And one of the first things that is uh, being used for is, is indeed currency. Um, and, you know, currencies um, serve various functions. They can be um, stores of value, uh, mediums of exchange, um, or unit of account. Unit of account just means that things are priced in that currency. Um, and, you know, if for um, developed countries which have access to, to iPhones, um, it, the, I think the, the main use case for Bitcoin is as a, as a medium of exchange. And Yeah, yeah, because I mean, the reason I'm using it is because I'm going to Indonesia and Bali and uh, I spoke to a digital hub over there, and they said it's it's pretty uh, commonplace to see bitcoins being accepted, even by taxi drivers and uh, restaurants. So I might even be paying for my food, accommodation, uh, office space in Bitcoin. Yeah, so Justin, I was wondering, you mentioned that the technology can be used for other things other than currency. I was wondering what you're meaning by that. Sure, yeah, so... Um it turns out the the technology um, really is um, a general way for people around the world to agree on certain things, um, to come to consensus. And and the nice thing is that these people don't have to trust each other, and they also don't have to trust a third party. So let me give you an example. Um, if um, you want to sell an item um, in your house, you may want to use eBay. Um, and eBay, uh, for the seller, acts as a trusted third party, um, which will intermediate between the buyer and the seller. Now, it turns out that um, Bitcoin is a technology which structurally um, changes that while allows you to build new systems which are fundamentally different in the underlying structure, where there's no need to have this um, trust in human operators. You can just trust the, um, the computer. Essentially, the way I think of Bitcoin is simply as, as a computer, um, just like uh, your computer, except that um, it's, it's very slow, so you only want to do um, high-value computations on it. And this computer has um, three key properties which are very reminiscent of time, of the concept of time. So time has three components, a past, a present, and a future. And uh, the past is immutable, unchangeable, and um, the Bitcoin computer is like that. If you, if you make a, a computation or a transaction on Bitcoin, then it is for the rest of time. You can't change it. You can't um, corrupt it. It, it has a present in the sense that it is um, a shared common experience for the whole world, 
where everyone can agree on the current state. Um, and Bitcoin has, has, has it indeed this property where um, everyone can, can see what, what's happening and everyone is invited to participate um, in what will happen in the future. And then um, Bitcoin also has a concept of, of future in the sense that um, it is inexorable. It, it, it's bound to happen. You can't stop it. Um, and, um, you know, in, in our universe, the future um, moves according to the rules of physics. And in the universe of Bitcoin, it moves um, along according to, to the rules of computer science. Well, that, that is the best description I've ever heard on Bitcoin. Uh, fascinating stuff. So uh, in a way, what, what I'm taking from that is that we're going to find more disruption with these third parties who are taking fees to act as the middle pla- or the platforms or the, you know, the third party, trusted third party. And we're going to sort of disrupt those and, and create new ways of building stuff that, that can have, um, I guess, transformational uh, impacts. Yes. So the way I think of this at a, at a high level is that um, currently with our, with our internet, we have um, the emergence of many two-way decentralized systems. And by two-way, I mean that the group of buyers and the group of sellers are both decentralized. So you can think of eBay, where anyone can be a buyer, anyone can be a seller. You can think of Uber, where anyone can be a taxi driver and anyone can be the customer of the taxi driver. Um, You can think of Kickstarter, where anyone can be a product owner or can be a contributor towards a project. Um, You can think of Airbnb. I mean, the list goes on. And these are two-way decentralized systems. Um, And one of the promises of of the technology behind Bitcoin and and Bitcoin itself is to take these two-way decentralized systems and make them into three-way decentralized systems where the service itself is decentralized. Um, and the advantages to doing that is, as you say, there, there aren't um, any fees because there's, there's, there's no one to pay fees to. Um, and you can think of eBay, for example, where there's a 10% fee um, and then there's an extra um, credit card fees, you know, about 2.5%. So there's right off the bat a 12.5% saving there. Um, and there's also um, less um, what is known as uh, corporate censorship. So um, these, these legal entities, um, these businesses, are, you know, have, have to adhere to the law. And this means that they have to, for example, um, blacklist certain um, items or certain countries, or you need to have a certain age, or you, know, you need to have a certain nationality. Um, and you know all these barriers suddenly break down um, if you have a truly peer-to-peer system. Th- that is great. So I'm trying to learn from all this stuff that w- what's going to happen. Because I mean, I do know a lot of entrepreneurs who get very frustrated with the the, the platform, uh, whether it be eBay or you know Apple in some cases with the uh, curation. And, uh, and what you're saying is that that the third party, the platform, is uh, in a way um, disintermediated. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's not owned by any one person or one entity. And that, that, is, that, that means it's fairer. That is correct. Um, it's fairer, it's more open, it's more transparent. 
um, there's less rent seeking. I mean, if for the entrepreneur, Bitcoin is a dream come true. It's, um, in my opinion, on, on the scale of the internet in terms of liberation and, and opening of opportunities. You know, before the internet, if you wanted to publish something, you had to go through this trusted third party. You had to go through, uh, for example, the, the, the newspaper. Um, or if you wanted to um, communicate um, to, to another peer, you'd have to go through the post office, and that was very slow and expensive. And now, if, if effectively, um, you know, the SMTP protocol, for example, um, doesn't necessarily require intermediaries. I mean, nowadays we do have Gmail, etc. Um, but um, the, 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 uh, the option to do peer-to-peer -peer business um, is now available uh, with Bitcoin. And while the internet allowed for peer-to-peer -peer communication, Bitcoin allows for peer-to-peer -peer trusted communication. And this, this um, trusted communication allows for, for, in particular, transfers of value. Um, and the very first app as it were, in the, in the same way that the, the very first app for the internet was email, um, is, is, is currency. Um, but we, um, you know, we can use um, the, the technology underlying Bitcoin to do a transfer of... Um, it could be everything, couldn't it? I mean, uh, this is anything. great. You know, you know, I have to say, Justin, this section of the show, we normally ask for uh, ideas to come up with uh, for potential new apps, but you've just given this whole <laughs> possibility of, of a whole new wave of different things because just think of any part of your life that involves two people and an element of trust that's required or a transfer of value. Uh, you can then put this uh, uh, crypto technology in, in, in the middle and, uh, and you can, I mean, transfer of house deeds, transfer of documents, it's just the list is endless. The list is endless, yeah. Um, you can do trusted voting, you can um, transfer uh, car registrations, you can, you can even do passports. You know, this um, identity systems um, in a more uh, transparent and, and provably fair way. Oh, um, Justin, what a, that, now, now you're getting onto something. The future where you walk around and everything is on your phone and you don't need a passport. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here, here's a story for you. So I've had a baby. Um, Congratulations. Few, thank you. <laughs> I've had a baby just a few weeks ago, and um, I, I was due to go to Germany um, to um, try and open a bank account uh, with um, a very forward-thinking uh, bank um, called Fido Bank. Um, and I, I was due to, to travel tomorrow, but it turns out that my passport was sent um, to the British authorities, to the passport authorities, in order to have my child be given a passport. And so I will not be able to travel tomorrow because my passport hasn't come back in time. Um, you know, had, had the passport been, um, you know, information, had it been simply something digital, um, some sort of um, digital bearer instrument in the same way that, that Bitcoin is, um, then I wouldn't be having this trouble right now. Don't you get me started with passport stories because I've got a lot of them. And uh, yeah, a uh, hundred mile round trip, I think a hundred miles each way, sorry, for um, getting my kids sorted out. Um, so just while I remember, then there is another show and anyone with kids listening to this, you can go and listen to the Entrepreneur Dad podcast, which is something I do as a hobby. And 
uh, is to, for anyone who's an entrepreneur and has new kids. Uh, I go through uh, my my story and um, the, the way I live my life as a, a work from home dad. Um, and Justin, the last thing we need to do before we say goodbye is uh, that this is a show about apps and someone like yourself, I'm sure you've got one or two apps on your phone uh, that you could recommend to us that you feel like we haven't come across before. Um, um, you, sure. You, you might have to do it from memory because we're using your phone to record. So. Okay, so um, if you want to get uh, into Bitcoin, um, I recommend you um, download a, a really well-designed app called Bread Wallet, um, if you're on the iPhone. Um, it, is, um, it allows you to, to hold custody of your Bitcoins, that is to, to receive payments and to, to, to make Bitcoin payments. And it's, um, in terms of user experience, it, it, it is very good. Um, now, if you want something even simpler in the future, um, that is towards the end of 2015, I would recommend you um, download my app, um, Duo Money, uh, where um, you know you'd be dealing with your own local currency. Everything is denominated in your own local currency, and you don't have to um, to to have any technical knowledge, um, and you won't be uh, taking any volatility risk if the price of Bitcoin goes down. Wonderful, that yeah, because that volatility is a big issue. So, Justin, I will be putting all the show notes on episode three hundred and thirty-four of the App Guy podcast. So, anyone listening should just um, instead of trying to write all this down, just go to theappguy.co, go to three three four Justin Drake, and you'll get links to the things that we talked about and to Justin. And also, um, I have to say, Justin, the way, the way we met is that you are running one of the uh, handful of ATMs in the UK. And uh, I think the Cambridge Center gave me your telephone number and we did a transaction and it was just so pleasantly easy. So um, how best can we reach out and connect with you? What's the best way of getting in touch with you? Um, so you can um, go on Twitter. I'm Drake F. Justin. Or you could send me an email at um, justin at duo.money. Uh, by the way, duo.money is um, going to be the, the website, uh, the marketing website for my app. Oh, you're, you're a clever use of the dot money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, okay. Great. So uh, I'll make sure, again, we link to that. Justin, thank you very much for coming on the App Guide podcast. It's just a fascinating look into the future and also um, you know, wonderful kind of introduction to anyone who wants to use Bitcoin. And um, all the best with... Uh, what you've got going on, uh, especially with your newborn baby. That's a big challenge as well. So I can't imagine what they're going to be like when they grow up to be 20. And uh, I'm sure currency will, be, currency will be a thing of the past. Maybe. Um, it's been a pleasure, Paul. Thank you so much. Thanks, Justin. Bye for now. Bye-bye. So remember to go and check out www.gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E.com who are the world's best app store optimization company and I highly recommend uh, using them to improve the optimization of your apps and help them get discovered in the app store and use their algorithms and their data cube from the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. So www.gummycube.com and thanks to Gummycube for being such a great supporter of this show. So let me remind you that this episode has been sponsored by Apptentive. Now you can go and sign up for a free mobile app consultation by going to apptentive.com forward slash app guy 
that's all lowercase, apptentive.com forward slash appguy. All you need to do is complete a form and what they'll do is they will evaluate uh, an overall app experience and information about how Apptentive can increase your app's ratings and reviews. So go to www.apptentive.com forward slash appguy, get that free consultation and thank you Apptentive for supporting this show.